Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions over three glasses of wine. And my guest this week is a woman I've been lucky enough to raise a glass or two with over the years. The epitome of ubiquitous. She's one of those rare people who can turn her hand to pretty much anything and do it really well. And with a smile on her face. I don't know how she does it. Most recently, she's co-created, written and executive produced as well as starred in the Madame Blanc Mysteries, playing the wronged widow of a bigamist who turns detective. She's chilled us to the bone in drama Cold Call and hosted game show Tenable and a travel log, which is on right now, Posh Sleepovers, in which she sleeps over in some of the country's most luxurious homes. After a brief fling with fame as a schoolgirl in the St. Winifred School Choir, performing on top of the pops with their number one smash hit single, There's No One Quite Like Grandma, she attended drama school at the North Cheshire Theatre School. But her big break came as Michelle in the royal family, followed by roles in Phoenix Nights and, of course, Coronation Street, Mount Pleasant, and still open all hours. In fact, her CV, like herself, is long and impressive. She lives with her husband, Steve White, one of the best drummers in the business, and their 11-year-old twin sons, Vic and Louie. A totally understated powerhouse. I cannot wait to talk to her. Let's dial her up. It's Sally Lindsay. Hello, darling. That was very kind of you. I've gone all red. Have I made you blush? I made me blush. I'm not very good at the old uh, hiding your light under the bushel. I'm very, very good at hiding my light under the bushel. I don't know why. You really are. Maybe it's a northern thing. I'm not sure. (laughs) Because most people would really sing and dance about this. I mean, you are literally the Reese Witherspoon of the North. (laughs) No one knows it. I wish I had her legs. Um, So do I. I wish I had her. I wish I had her. And I'm a big, big fan of Reese. I think she's, she's one of my inspirations, actually. Her and um, Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, all these amazing women that owned their own productions. And I think that's always been secretly in a dream of mine inside. Um, and it, you know, came out last sort of when we formed the company three years ago, but, but to big fruition sort of last year. Um, so, yeah, those women are absolutely, you know, trailblazers. And I just... you know we're standing on the shoulders of those giants and Reese is just amazing but you are one of those giants this is not your first rodeo as a show creator it's not even your second it's actually your third and you don't tell anyone about it and and it's such a northern trait you'd much rather I slag you off than compliment you (laughs) You because you'd find it funnier yeah, I would find it funny if we if we were you know drinking, which we are. Um, yeah, no, that's that's my humour, isn't it? You know, I quite like that. I think what it is, um, I think being in control is come from a different angle for me. 
I think it was more the fear of getting to be a woman of a certain age in this industry. And you know what I mean, Kate. And all mm. these women, you know, I'm I'm 49 this year. And being, if you're, not, if you're not on, yeah, we're this exactly the same age, aren't we? I, I don't think we look too bad, actually, mate. You know what I mean? Not with a filter. Not with, with a, a filter, filter, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I was in, I think I come from a different angle in the fact that I was in fear of getting to an age where if I wasn't on a list of six actresses, then I wouldn't be working, yeah, which is exactly. ridiculous. Because if you're a man, the list is much bigger. And you can be much older and you can have a lot younger women next to you. And it's still the same. And it really, really annoyed me um, as a feminist, I suppose. And, we, um, you know, I, it really got on my nerves. So um, I think that was where it came from when, I, when we formed the company three years ago. But it's been a joy ever since because we've really found, um, you know, found out who we are really as, as, as a company. All of this kind of takes me into the territory of my first question for you, Sal. So are you ready? Here it is. Question number one. I wanted to know from you how you've managed to push these doors open. Because as you've just said, you know, telly works off a list. You've got to be on the list, right? And we've yeah. all been lucky enough, both been lucky yeah, enough to be absolutely. top of the list, right? Over yes, the yes, years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, more than most, this business has been incredibly good to us absolutely but you're right you get to a stage in life where you struggle to become you, you struggle to remain visible and actually you, you people still need to be coming up from behind us so i totally get that yeah. but how did you create this world of opportunity for yourself as a creator an originator a writer a producer um because i know it's not easy so talk to me about how you push open those doors I think um, it was, I had great training. I always say Coronation Street was my training. And I was lucky enough to work really hard. Uh, I had the opportunity to work really hard because I think a lot of people when they join Coronation Street think it's all about being famous and being about, uh, and about um, you know, going to awards and it, that's it, you're made and you're not. You're really not. It's the most precarious job ever because every one and a half years a new producer comes in and if they don't like you, you're out. And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you were that bird that was on the telly ages ago. You know, it, it's it's such a... So when I got the character, I was only given seven episodes. to. Tr to that was all. It wasn't like a done deal that I was a new landlady of the Rovers. Absolutely not. But I worked so hard at those seven scripts because I wanted it. I really wanted it. And I think it's having that sort of direction of um, taking every single opportunity you've got and ringing it, ringing it raw, really. Um I'm not saying I've taken every opportunity because I would be superhuman. That's not, but I've taken most of them uh, and and turned it into something else. But when it came to when when I left Coronation Street and and me and Saran, uh, we we were in the pub. <laughs> There's a shock round the corner and uh, from Coronation <laughs> Street. And um, what happened was she we she was working on a thing called Vincent, and she said it's all very with Ray Winston, which was really good. But he said it's all very well, but I'm literally running around in a skirt. That's what I'm doing, you know. And I said it's just nonsense, isn't it? You know, the the, the, the at the time this is like God, what's ten years ago now? No, it's longer. Longer. It's about sixteen years ago when we first thought of it, because it's sixteen years ago that I, uh, fifteen years ago that I left, and that was the year. And um, and essentially. Uh, I was obsessed with a, a program called Cagney and Lacey when I was a kid. And no, listen, I was right there with you. Mary Beth, Christine Cagney, the oh, whole yeah. cancer storyline, Harv, the knee-high boots with the, 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 the midi. Oh, I mean, it was all of it, was it? And it was heartfelt. They were vulnerable, but kick-ass. Nothing else like that was on the telly. So no. I... I was obsessed with that as a, as, you know, as a teenager, actually. That's when I first discovered right. it. Right. Um, but then after it was on, there was nothing else like it for years. And, yeah. and that's an opportunity you noted, right? It was, it was, and it, it was, we tried to, when we, when we created it, I, I had to explain to Saran because she, uh, she's five years younger than me. And so she just sort of missed it on the telly, like we'd seen it. And it, but I was obsessed by the, the the female issues. I mean, there was one scene, and, and I remember explaining to Saran when we wrote it about when uh, Cagney was in the toilets and she had a pregnancy scare. She'd had a one night stand with someone. She had a pregnancy scare, and she'd come out the toilets and she was crying. I don't know if you remember this. And Mary Beth was there in the toilets, and she said, "Oh, are you crying? Are you pregnant?" And she said, "No, I'm crying because I'm not." 
And she said, oh, you want to be pregnant? She said, no, I don't want to be pregnant, but I know that I've only got three years left. And it was so profound. Even as a kid, I remember thinking, God, that's, men don't have to worry about that. And these women are doing this phenomenal job and all those issues. Nothing really showed that at that time. We're going back a long time now, 20 plus years. Yeah, or 30 it is. It's it's a long time ago. But it was trailblazing for me. And that's when we wrote Scott and Bailey together because I was like, this, these issues are still happening. And why can't we have two very strong female leads or even one very strong female lead? They've, they've been prime suspect. There's been a few got through. But like the situation we're in now, Kate, I think I can't remember the figures, but it's something like it, it's disgusting that on, on primetime drama, not soap opera, that's 50% female writers, primetime drama, there's still only something like 13 or 14% of female writers. It angers me to think, well, how can we tell the stories of women if there's no women there? They sort of let a few through, like, you know, Sally Wainwright and, you know, we were phenomenal writers, don't get me wrong, of Kmella. But then they go, right, well, look, there's women on, they go, see them, but the rest Done. of them, yeah, we're not, yeah, yeah. we token them. And they are, they're not tokens, they're the powerhouses of women, women blooming out, they're unbelievable. You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, we can't just go, oh, well, there's female characters on screen. You need, you need them to be written well. Of course and they, they do. should be narratives that are developed and scripts that are, are written by women. And it's really frustrating. It is, you know, it's not just about putting parity in the shop window. It has to be at all levels. Of course it, it is. Really it really does. Totally and, does and you know, without your star power, the doors that you've opened would never have opened, would they? Not Without in a million somebody years. going, I better see Sally Lindsay because she's a bit of a turn, bit of a celeb, you know? This it's is that. literally, the, when, when we formed Saffron Cherry, my friend Caroline Roberts Cherry, who is my business partner in our company, she'd been a top BBC exec for years. I mean, she'd done all sorts of stuff, won all sorts of stuff. And she was just sick of, you know, the big boys getting the jobs, the big boys getting the... So she set up her own company and then she came to me and we'd, we'd had a sort of a friendship over the years like I, I always got on with her really well and she said look I've got this I've got this idea and I wondered if you'd be creative director and I was like oh I'm just an actor women again putting themselves down I'm just an actor yeah. I'm, you know and and she said no you're not because you've created Scott and Bailey you help create um, Mount Pleasant you you've always been I've always been central of every, even though I've been the lead and not paid for it, I've always been central in every production I've got because I, I believe in setting a, a tone. You know, I think if you've got, if the leads are not arseholes and they're completely, you know, equal and lovely, lovely and they get on with everyone, it, the, the show's just so easy because yeah. everyone's like, oh, well, oh, it's great because she's not an arsehole, so I won't be. And it really is set to show a, t- a tone. It sounds um, naff, but it's, it's great energy, isn't it? It is. I, no, it's exactly great energy. And if you do it from the top, then it, it, yeah. it filters down. It's, it, I've proved it over and over and over again. So she said, no, you've done this. And I was like, okay. And I thought, and she made me like, think about it. So just think about it. We don't want you just, I said, oh, I'll just consult then. She went, no, 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 I want you, oh, we need to be part of it. Um, so that was three years ago. And um, we've done lot, quite a lot. <laughs> when you say you've done quite a lot, Tell me what you've achieved in three years. I'm so, going to force you to hold your light up and dig it out from that bushel. Well, we've done, we create Saffron Cherry, but we've got about, I'd say, 20 really strong dramas on the on the on on our slate. We've also got five in very deep development. There's one that's about to go that we're very excited with, with the BBC. Obviously, I co-created and co-produced Madame Blanc, which is on your tellies that I'm in. We did a documentary about Emmeline Pankhurst, which is obviously very important to me, Mancunian hero. Um, We've got a a children's programme, which has just been recommissioned and we've sold it to France and uh, Wales. And that is called Grandpa, the World According to Grandpa, in which I voice Halifax the rabbit. And it's a very, um, she's the clever one in it. She had to be female and she had to be clever because another thing is, and we've got boys, Kate, but most protagonists in kids' programs, something like 80% are boys. So there's hardly any girls that are the clever ones. Drives yeah. you insane, doesn't it? When you look at the figures, when you open the books, it's a door, oh, you, can't yeah. go, it's a door you can't go back through and it drives, it fires me and Caroline every blooming day. So, um, yeah, so she's, and it's brilliant. It's Don Warrington and a gorgeous collection of grandkids. And it's, and it's this 
really successful kids program, informative. So that's just a few things we've got, but we've got so, a lot well, of... Hold on a sec, right? Sorry. In three years, the, the world's been through a pandemic. Yes, You've only really just well. got started before the world stopped, right? But despite all of that, you have done... I mean, look at that. Look at that slate. Twin Hello. dramas. Five yes. in Deep Development. A kids series, Up and Running and Away. Madame Blanc, not just on our screens here. Actually, you've sold it to America as well. Sold it I around mean, the world. Sold it around the world. Acorn TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, Reese Witherspoon, <laughs> Sally Lindsay. You tell me the difference. Because, because billions, you're doing billions it. Billions of and, and, and do you know what? I, I've trolled the internet to find anywhere where you have just owned your success like that, and it doesn't exist. So this is I, the first I mean, time just, ever. This is the first it, time ever. It is, and I'm just so bloody proud of you because you're a grafter, Sal, and you're lovely. Yeah, you're with a grafter, and though. smart. You've always been a grafter, Kate, and I've always been massively impressed with your career because if the opportunities weren't there, you made them. I make and them. You, yeah. you make them, and and we're exactly the same in that way because you no know, one is ever good. And, and what's been so wonderful about Madame Blanc is we've almost found an audience that was forgotten. So. Totally. Really, you know, because I, I wrote it. It's mostly female. If you if you nobody's watched it, I'm not going to do a spoiler. There's lots of girls in it. Let's put it that way. Um, Jean's this amazing power. She's very normal, and what I wanted Jean, the character, to be is absolutely bright as a button in, in her field. She's never had kids. I wanted that to be really important because she didn't want mm. them. Yeah. We, because she was busy with her career, which she loves. And I, I, I dealt with that in one sentence you know, in case anyone was worried about it, which the people are about you having kids. And uh, so I made it, I, I changed, I changed the sort of the narrative of women. So most of the murders, murderers are women, you know, the, the, the antique, the dealers are women. And I, even though I've written the men really, I think they're really balanced. And I, I like writing men, actually, because I surround myself by good men. And I wanted it to be non-complicated either, because there's always like, <laughs> oh, male detectives have all got a maverick side and they, they're antisocial and they drink too much or they've got a drug problem or, you know, they can't develop relationships. And she's like, no, I'm actually fine. I'm just really clever. <laughs> and what's been brilliant, though, which, which was our passion, was to put LGBTQ couples on screen, to put different diversity races on screen, different languages on screen, different ages of women and sizes on screen, right in the middle of the Saturday night um, uh, schedule. Make yeah, it nine normal. Saturday night, yeah. yeah. Make it yeah. normal, because if you put it there and it's it's in a normal genre, like um, it, it, like a detective, mystery detective, people like me on the telly, which is lovely, and you make it normal. People don't think, oh, I'm watching. It's like Death in Paradise is such an amazing maverick thing. How many times have you seen that many amazing black people in the same show on British television? Never. You never used it. Obviously, May I May Destroy You and all these amazing things that have come up. But literally, that's been on our tellies for 11 years. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's such a maverick show and a, ch a game changer. And people don't see that because, like, oh, it's this nice, normal show we see on a Saturday night. But that's how you do it, I think. The frustrations of getting a show away. I mean, when people see yeah. a new series arrive on air, they have no understanding about the blood, sweat, tears, and the time, right, oh. that goes into it. You talked earlier about um, creating Scott and Bailey with Saran Jones, who you'd met on Corrie, and she was a co-star that you got talking to after work in the pub. You came up with Scott and Bailey, and you started pitching it. For six years, you pitched it. Alongside yeah. that, for five years, you were also trying to get Mount Pleasant away, which you'd also worked on and, and helped to create. Yeah, yeah. Then, then they both get commissioned, and what was, happened? I, I got pregnant with the twins. So in the same week, they both got commissioned. After got, six years? After six years. And we'd been trying for six years as well. It was the really weirdest thing. And this, and this is the weirdest thing, Kate, and you know more than anyone, that your best production ever for me is my twins. There's nothing, everything's just a bonus after that. I'm not really, yeah. not really asked. It's lovely telly and, I, and it frustrates me and I love it and I'm passionate about it. But at the end of the day, it's about the boys, always has been. And so I got pregnant with the boys. And then there was this amazing, beautiful maverick producer called Stuart Murphy, who was the head of Sky One at the time. And he said, well, it can't be anyone else, so I'll just wait for you. This was from Mount Pleasant. ITV didn't. <laughs> they they got they they didn't they wouldn't wait uh for me to play janet um and 
In all honesty, I said to Saran, Saran's still my best friend now. I'm ringing her straight after this, actually, because we've got an hour. Woohoo! But I said to her at the time, "Look, mate, you've got to, we've got to make you've got to make it. You can't not make it." And you know, and she was like, "Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to without you." And then Leslie came along, and she was phenomenal, and she she put a completely different tone on it than I would, and it worked obviously brilliantly. So, you know, and I did do a little bit in it now and again, but it was an example that they weren't going to wait, you know, because I was, I was pregnant. So that doesn't, that counts as, ah, well, you know, t- tough, basically. Um, but Mount Pleasant wasn't. So Mount Pleasant did. Stuart, Stuart and Lucy Lumsden, they said, no, 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 there's no one else can play it, we'll wait. And the boys were four and a half months when I went back to work. We'd moved up to Manchester. Steve was with me. We had my mum, all my family. We had... Um, you know, we had paid for a nanny. This is another thing that people, that women do. They pretend they don't have childcare. And you're like, well, what do you do? Just leave them, leave them in a drawer with a bag of fish fingers behind the clock. Of course you've got a bloody, <laughs> you know, it's like this, it's like this dirty secret that you have for other people looking after your kids. And like, oh, glad yeah. you think I bloody work. You know, it, it drives me insane. Um, so yeah, so that's how we did it. And it was, it was great. And they were great. It was fantastic. It, well, it, ran, it ran and ran and ran. And you you know what, though? You need people. I know Stuart Murphy. Stuart Murphy now runs um, the English National Opera. Yeah. For a job for which he had very little qualification no, beyond passion. <laughs> He's just an amazing man. He's he is. an amazing and, man. But you need somebody like him to take a punt, to go, no, it has yeah. to be you, Sally, and we will wait, and that's going to be fine. Um, and I think sometimes our industry has lost a lot of those people. Oh, totally. And they're the ones that, that change the game, you know. And I think a lot of lessons can be learned. But, you know, so I'm so lucky to be sort of in that stable at the moment with Channel 5. So it's, it's great. I mean, obviously, I work for other channels and we pitch to other channels. Of course we do. And we've got lots of brilliant contacts in other channels. But at the moment, for me personally on screen, that's sort of where it's happening. But you know what? It works because they put great faith in you. And they get a return on their investment. Madden Blanc Mysteries does two and a half million viewers I on know. a Saturday night. That that is punchy at, for any channel. And I for know. Channel Five, that's fantastic. And yeah. and that's that's the only reason that an audience will come to that in the first instance is either because they love crime or because they love you. Well, well, yes, I think I think you're right. I think Channel Five audience do really like watching me, but also it's finding. I think it's found a home. How can I describe it? It's found a home in the fact that those people who don't want these really hard-hitting dramas anymore, they don't want to watch something that's pushing the envelope. They've they've had enough of that. That life, real life, is hard enough. The nonsense that's going on in our country is horrendous. It's and they just want the hour where they can sit down with a glass of wine and go, right, what's what's Jean doing this week? Oh, that's antiques, nice. Yeah. <laughs> just that. It feels really. to me. It feels like um like. Morse or Bergerac, but with bra straps. Basically, that's it. I love that description. I love that. I love that description. You're absolutely right, Kate. That's it. Because with with Bergerac, you used to see Jim Bergerac. Oh, I fancied so bad. Oh I yeah, I totally fancied. So him. fancied John Nettles. Totally see him sort him. of just driving around Jersey in a Jag, and it was it was calm and beautiful. It was a it was just it was a lovely, gentle escape. It would be a crime. It wouldn't be too brutal. It would all get tied up at the end of the hour. Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt, job done. Basically, customers, I call them customers or viewers, really discerning about crime. And they get really angry if it's wrong or if it's too yeah. easy. They get really annoyed. So it's, it's I was so nervous about that aspect of the, you know, because I've never written, I, I've never written crime before. I've written comedy, I've written drama. I've never written crime before or or murder, murder mystery, ever. So I'm, I'm, another woman I look up to very much is Dawn French, and she wrote in a, she did an interview. I love Dawn. Oh, um, she's so clever, isn't she? So she's clever. just so and so lovely clever. with it. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be an arsehole. You can just be a really nice person and brilliant mm. as well. And she said something um, in an interview once I've never forgotten. And she said um, when she started a, a novel, and she was quite low because I think her and Lenny were, split, were splitting up. And she said it was just baby steps I thought I'll just do it one step at a time and then all of a sudden my legs got stronger and I started to walk you know and then I started to run and I thought right because when we when we got Madame Blanc Blanc was commissioned really quickly 
um, which never happens. As I've just said, six six years for each of the other females. And that's kind of average. That's about average, isn't it? You know, that's it, not. That's it's not, not fast it's, or slow. It's not. Fa- it's not. Honestly, for female-led stuff, yeah, definitely. Um, you have to convince them. I mean, I've been in commission. I, I mean, you're bringing it all, but but I've been in uh, meetings when they've gone. Yeah, we've got something about sisters. <laughs> you know, like. Oh, all right then. <laughs> I'll get we'll leave that, shall we? We've got like a, you know, we've got women in that one. And you're like, this is genuine stuff. Not so much nowadays. I've got to say things are slowly changing. But you just think, oh, God, you know, oh, here we go. Um, but that that's in the past. I think it is changing. I hope it's changing. It is for me anyway. Um, but yeah. But, you uh, are, yeah. but you're making it change. And that's the whole... That's the whole point of what you're doing is that you're doing it like Dawn. You're going in and you're not trying to take over the world. You you, you didn't have a great big whiteboard in your office with sort of world domination strategy written up. You're just <laughs> doing it project by project whilst getting home in time to feed the kids, see yeah, Steve, yeah. make parents evening. All the stuff that we do alongside that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And, and and I think you are faultless in everything you do with the exception of telling people about everything that you do. <laughs> I should do a big sort of cover of some magazine, shouldn't I? And say, look, I'm ace. But I always feel a bit of a dick doing that. So, uh, well, totally. I understand know. that as well. But, you know, hopefully as a mate. I, I like this. I like, I like, this is all right. I don't mind talking to you about it because we, we're not we're not that December, to be honest, Kate. But one thing we are very passionate about across the line with Saffron Cherry is the fact that it's female-led. Um, uh, we try and use as much female crew as possible as we can. So it's 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 because I think you've got to put people in place as opposed to let them. Oh, the best people. No, 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 no. That's not right. You need to put the women in place so they can work hard and be brilliant. And also promote up. Right. So that if you're looking Absolutely. for a good DOP, but you you know that and, and you, they've never DOP before. But actually, you know, they can do it. Elevate. Abs. I mean, we're all about that. We're all about, um, you know, for example, we've just. We, we, for Grandpa, we need a new director because Alex is doing something else. And we've insisted that it's a female director. And it's so weird because a lot of, we get, we got hundreds of, you know, loads of male applications and hardly any women because they'd never done animation before or they'd yeah. never done. And we were like, we don't care. We're not, it's all right. Yeah. And then it, and then they all flooded in. Oh, all right That's then, good. if you don't That's mind. So because women, because men will be, go, yeah, I can do it. And you get there and they literally can't. You know, but then you'll get, not all men, obviously, my DOP and Madame Blanc is one of my dearest friends. He's absolutely, that's why he's made it look so amazing. I know he would. So don't get me wrong. I, I absolutely love men. I absolutely love them. The ones I love. But having said that, you know, you've got to, you have, you've got to go down that and, and pull them up. Yeah. And if you're not, if you're not pulling people up, then how, how do we keep this, this industry yeah. going? What's well, really. Well, well, you just congest the, the route to, to the top, don't you? And, and. We need to keep that traffic flowing. Absolutely. And what's really what's really lovely at the moment, being a, like, you know, 49 this year and being in the industry so long, is just how many female focus pullers there are, which means in about five years' time, there's going to be loads of DOPs, loads of camera people, co- camera women. And I love that. You can see it happening. You know, yeah. in the sound department, there's, there's women assistants now, and that never happened when I started. Yeah. So you can see... It, it coming through slowly, but you can see it, and that I, we're all here for encouraging that big time. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, my next question to you is about yes. posh sleepovers. I mean, it's a dream ticket of a job. You nonsense. get to road test. It's complete nonsense, isn't it? Complete nonsense. It's, I well, love it. Well, it's, but it's voyeurism at its best, right? It's you road testing luxury across the spectrum. But having seen how the other half live, I want to know from you, as an inherently working class girl, what turned your stomach about a life of incredible wealth and privilege and what turned your head? It's very interesting because this season, it's all been about, I really wanted to see women that had, again, women that had made their own wealth. So it's very hard for me to say that any of them turned my stomach really because they'd, they'd worked, a lot of them came from where we were from. There's nothing. two that, nothing. There's two that came from nothing. There's two that came from, they had inherent wealth, but not a lot and they made something out of it. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, there's, there's two that, yeah, I mean, Seema, I did, you've not seen it yet. She's from nothing. She's from a market stall. In... Is Seema the lady that's gone on with her family to create Forever Unique? Yes, Seema, so we do Seema. Oh, she's so lovely. Yeah, she's amazing. I, I mean, the wealth that they've accrued is incredible, oh, but it's hard it's... bloody fought. And she flogs and flogs. So they really, so they are and very family orientated. I suppose... The one thing that I could never really get my head around, and I still can't get my head around with these people, even though I absolutely got on with everyone, is how you can send your child away to school. To that's boarding school. Yeah, that's something. And I know people love it and people do it and it's wonderful. And I'm not, I would never dispute anybody's choice of doing it. I mean, I have to work away. I've had to learn. I mean, I know Angie Griffin, we we talked when, when she was on Mount Pleasant, we talked about this at length, about how... You have to sort of go into a different place when you go to away. work as a woman, because as a mother, because you are away. Now, I'll tell you the most horrific thing, the best thing and the horrific thing last last year. So I was I we filmed Madame Blanc in Malta, and I had to be away from the boys. I thought it was four weeks. Four weeks. I thought I got my head around it. Then they were coming out for a week, filming another two weeks. They were coming out for the power term, and I'd planned it all. All of a sudden, Malta was on the red list. So I was away from my boys for 10 weeks. Oh, Sal. Oh, even just like, I just swallowed a tear for you. And when I found out on the, and it was really funny because on the, 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 the week they were coming out and I'd gone four weeks and I, I, just to say, I had to isolate for two of them and then it was only two weeks start working. So it was all weird. All all the rules was changing every day. So I I said to Steve, "We've got I've got to go two weeks early." He was like, "Right, okay," um, you know. And he's amazing. So we they were coming out on the fourth week, and then what we were hearing in Malta, everyone was getting really excited. They were the crew were buying presents for them. I'd fa- I found this amazing villa. I was so excited. Dermot had made it a little bit of an easy week. You can't have an easy week when you're executing your lead and the writer, can you? Because that's ridiculous. But no. I'd had a little bit of t- and. It was just horrific. And then he, all of a sudden, Steve said, look, my writing partner, Sue Vincent, was in the next room to me, and she's in the show as well. And he'd rang Sue up and said, look, I don't think she understands that we're not coming. Because I kept saying, no, 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 it's fine, honestly. It's all set up, it's fine. So I was almost in denial. And Steve literally had to ring Sue and say, you're going to have to go in because I don't... And that day, I had the day off, they were, they were, and I lay in, and I just went... This is not worth it. This is not worth it. And I nearly, I nearly went home, and I did, oh, and I didn't. Sad. Obviously, I didn't. Obviously, because I had hundred people that were relying on me for their, you know, Lively. and I had this, yeah, and this drama to to make that I'd written, and it was fine. So going back to your answer, what turns your stomach? That turns my stomach because I know what happened, and that ten weeks is a normal term mm. to send them away. Do you see what I mean? God, yes. I, I can't get my head around that. <gasps> 
had a funny week when I came home because I was like, I kept waking up in the middle of the night thinking they were gonna, you, you know what it's like with your kids when you, but like, I can't get to them. They've been run over, yeah. I can't get to them. Every night. Anxiety dreams, oh, anxiety dreams. So that's the thing I would say. Okay, so, that, then, so that's those lifestyle choices. But what about things like so in one of the earlier episodes, you the, the six story townhouse in Mayfair with the the um, lovely guy. What was his name? Cam. Cam. Was it Cam? Cam. And his in his younger, very beautiful girlfriend who was also lovely. But yeah. they took you to try some caviar and it was like sixteen hundred quid a pot. And then before they had they went out for dinner one night, they, they had a cup. I mean, literally two or three friends over. And they spent a grand on flowers yeah, just nonsense. for the drinks for the hour. And then they went, you're not going to stay in this house, this six-story townhouse, right? We've got a guest house around the corner. How much was that guest house? 32 million. I mean, it's nonsense, like, Kate. It's nonsense. It's and nonsense. And then you went to one of the beautiful country homes. So this is the story of inherited wealth in Devon. And this beautiful house. And the people there were, again, lovely. And I could see you trying to sort of grapple with well what is inherited wealth and and understanding that being born into privilege doesn't mean you're a bad person of, of course it doesn't but yeah. what do you do with it what do you actually do with it that actually What's elevates really, it means something it's so interesting because i just go in like the people are people and we get on with it else i couldn't do it um what's interesting about those people like i've just done that was last week that was a schoon castle and and that was ogborough uh, uh, wasn't it mm. that was last season What's interesting about those people is they're born into it, yes, but it's not a given. So if they don't make money on that estate, then it's they fine. are responsible for losing the line. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So that's all the that's all they think about. And and those two, like William last week and Alex the time before, they are the the. I mean, it's dead ridiculously sexist. Like that, the oldest sons and all that nonsense. So it goes to them. Mm. But both of them have taken on the mantle. But both of them were given the choice not to, which was interesting. Mm. It's not a, they, nowadays. It's not a given, and it's it's just really interesting that they work really hard to try and find ways to earn money. Like in Schooncastle last week, half of it is hide out for accommodation. There's a gift shop. There's like tours going on. There's you know they have to make money else it goes into disrepair. Yeah. So they they feel both of them. It's same story from both of them. It's really interesting. They feel like they are caretakers for the next generation. Yeah. They don't feel they own it. They feel they're. I mean, it's amazing to sort of run around. This well, they're kind of leaseholders, aren't they? Yeah, they don't. They don't feel that they own it. They feel like they're privileged to. Um, it's, it's dead weird. Caretake. Yeah, caretake. They don't, you know, those really, really posh people. I'm not talking about, you know, your your Boris Johnson class and all them arseholes. I'm talking about the really, really posh ones. You know that that have inherited it, and and this is it. We've got to. This is it. I'm I'm like four hundredth of the generation. You know, it's quite a pressure for them, really. I, I mean, they don't so. have to. Well, they, they, they might feel the weight of some responsibility to keep it all going. And I mean, what if you're born into that? And you decide, actually, I want to be a doctor or I just don't want to live in a big house or I don't I want to it, live in this country. That's a, I think it, it does It takes happen. a lot of choice. Does, I, I mean, Alex, Alex the latter from the last year, he was in a bar in Australia drinking shots and his dad said, I think it's time you take over. And he's like, what? And he was like 27. He's like, no, 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 I'm not ready. And it took him three years to get home to get his head around it. And then he was like, right, okay, I'm ready now. But he, I said, God, that's a... I suppose there's some advantages in knowing what you're going to do since you're a little boy or girl. Because mm. Steve, my husband, knew he was going to be a drummer from the age of eight. And I always think, God, that's a right relief, isn't it? When you know what you're going to do for the rest yeah. of your life because there's nothing else. I didn't. Yeah. I had Did no idea. No, I did it. It was an accident. I got into acting at university by accident. Somebody asked me to be in a play. And I was just better at it than everyone else. I went, oh, God, this is weird. You know, this I find this really easy. Oh, my God, I can do something. Literally, that's how it happened. Whereas wow. some people just, you know, totally, totally fell into... I've fallen into everything. <laughs> but isn't that glorious? That you've Oh, not God, had, yeah. You know, that's that's lovely. It's taking opportunities again, Kate. So that back then I thought, God, if I can really act, what if I can... Ooh. And I just gave myself five years. And I thought, if I'm really rubbish and I've got a job, then... See what happens. See what happens, yeah. yeah I've got nothing yeah, to yeah. lose. Nothing and that's sort of, that's me all over, really. I that's think. the bit we have to hang on to, I think, throughout our lives. And that's the bit I will always drill to my son, is you have nothing to lose because you've always got this to come home to. You can always come home to me. There is yeah. nothing to lose here. Go and be brave. 
be Go brave. Be brave. It's about being brave, yeah. I think. And and just, you know, what's the worst can happen? And you know, and I know, like I've had shows cancelled and, the, yeah. you know, the the ground when i when i left coronation street i was supposed to be going into a big drama big comedy drama and i was supposed to be going on a tour afterwards and both were cancelled within the same week oh and i was like oh god i'm going and i thought if i look back now and i go back that's it i'll be there forever which is nothing wrong with that but i just thought i've just got to keep walking on and be brave mm. and see what happens awful I, you know i've been in the same situation you have and it's just Getting yourself up and going, right, keep walking forward. It's the making of you, though. I mean, it felt like the end of the world, but it was the beginning of a whole new world for me. You learn far more from those moments than you do from standing on a podium at the BAFTAs trying to figure out who to thank, which actually takes me nicely to my final question for you. I wanted to put you on the podium at, figuratively speaking, and say the BAFTAs, right? Right. You're being recognised for an incredible body of work, a lifetime of work. Oh, wow. As you stand there and recount and thank those that have have helped you to to achieve this magical moment, who are those people that you're name-checking and why have they been so significant in you hitting those key milestones? Oof. Gosh, that's a big question. Um, well, the first person that comes to mind, beyond a shadow of doubt, is Steve, my yeah. other half. Steve is like, I know he is one of the best drummers in the world, and he's got this amazing body of work. He's done the musical Modern Blanc, which is great. He loves doing telemusic now. So he's like, oh, I love it. Um, but that's so good. So Steve's definitely, Steve, I mean, as well as being all of those brilliant things, He's just a really nice man, isn't he, he's Sal? A good, he's a good man, and he's, he's a good, good man, and he's funny, yeah. and he's hilarious, and I fancy him, and he's oh. and he loves his boys, He loves his, and he loves our older two as well, Christabel and Curtis. He loves all his children. He's a big, big family man. That's all that, all that matters to him. And he, I don't, I, I've never had to do this big thing. Like, my friends go, oh, I had to leave him a big list. And he got it all wrong. And this was a right mess when I came in. And you're like, well, if you, why have you married a dickhead then? <laughs> what, 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 who have you married then? You know what? I literally walk out the door. I don't have to tell him when it's, you know, game, when it's PE. He knows because he's, we, we bring up the kids together. Together. And he's, unbel- well, he's probably, when I'm working, the main caregiver. Um, this is what annoys me about interviews, which is amazing. It's probably the first interview I've ever had, Kate, ever in my life that you've that the female and male has said, "How do you juggle being such a you know how, such a busy woman and somebody looking after your kids?" This is the first interview I've ever had that you've not asked that, and it, and thank yeah. you for that. Well, because... do you know why I don't ask? Because I'm sick of being asked it myself. <laughs> This is it. It's like shut As up. a single parent, how do you a do it? A single parent, yeah. Well, I, I just, I just make it. You just make it work because you have to. It's not easy. You're spinning multiple plates, but that's well. That's I mean, every a single, parent. Single parent yeah. is like I don't know. How you do. I mean, you're amazing. Absolutely amazing because I do. I, I do rely on Steve a lot. So going back to your no, but listen. You know, equally, if I need to go away and work, my parents just pack a bag. And move in while yeah. I'm away. Amazing. So I have that. In, You've got in, that support un- network. Unconditional love for him and unconditional support and love for me too. So actually, you know, that's my Steve. Yeah, um, yeah. So and you've, I'm, you've and got I'm, your... so, I'm so lucky to have it. And, you know, yeah. so lucky to have that. Yeah. Uh, so Steve, definitely. Um, who else? Um, I think my family, my mum and, and everyone, all these, uh, mum and my stepdad who are brilliant. And um, I've got a very strong northern family. And they're always massively supportive of everything they do. You know, they think it's ace. Um, do they and... turn up to some of your shows like mine used to on um, minibuses? Like, Hi-ya! oh yeah, yeah, to- because well, really I'm excited. Think that- so I've not done much theatre since the boys, but I've done panto a couple of times, and that's definitely happened. Mm. And they're just like, it's amazing, it's fantastic. Or they've come into audiences I've done, which is lovely. I've got a lot of friends that have been amazing over the years. All my friends are fabulous. I'm really into friendship. It's very important to me. Mm. Um, I think that's the the backbone of any person, really, is the the friends they keep. 
Um, and totally. I've got some great ones, you know, in this industry and not. I mean, I'm, my best friend from school I've, I've known since I was 11, Claire. So, and she's a very successful um, CEO of a company. But she's she's ace, you know, she's from, we've got similar backgrounds. And, and, and all my mates in the North, I love them to dearly, dearly, dearly. Um, so then, and then who else? Gosh. Gosh, it's really hard, this one. Who cast you in the royal family? Because without the royal family, you would never have no. got Corrie. But actually, wasn't it the Alan Bennett Talking Heads play that you'd done previous <laughs> to that that made Caroline and Craig want to see you for the royal family? Well, it didn't happen like that, actually, Kate. It's, it's, it's been retailed like that. But what happened was, I was with, uh, actually, Melody. That's who I should, Melody's not with us anymore. Unfortunately, she died in the pandemic uh, far too young. She wasn't even 70. Um but anyway, but she was my agent for 20, 20 years. She was amazing. What she did, she she took me. She said, I don't understand why you're not bigger. And she's just set her own company up in Manchester. So she put me in front of all these casting directors in, in Manchester. Literally, I, what, I was a 24, 23. And she was putting me up for parts of like 17-year-olds. And honestly, God, Kate, I've, I've always looked every year of my age. I've never been like, oh, she can get away with young. Never. I look every, every year of my age. I'm quite proud of it. And, um, and so I was, I was like this sort of big doofus walking into sort of, you know, to a little 17-year-old part. And then she's like, what are you doing here? But what she was doing was getting my face out because my agent before was, was just appalling. And I'd been in this theatre show for like 18 months, just stuck in this show. Anyway, so she got me out there. And then she said, right, we're going to set up um, a, a, a night. She said, "I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put it on the credit card." So she set a night up with a few other people in her um, in her agency, and she invited all the fantastic, uh, of which there still are, northern casting directors to this night. And I think what that was the night that changed my life, really, because her doing that, because everybody else, I was match fit because I'd been in theatre for sort of eighteen months, and everybody decided to be. Um, do this really, really dramatic crying kind of thing. And I didn't. I did an excerpt from Her Big Chance, Alan Bennett. So I wasn't actually in the play, but I just did a ah, section. I see, I see. And my mum said, my mum obviously was there, mum said that, she said it was the weirdest thing because everybody was sort of like getting a bit bored with everybody coming out crying, talking about, you know, this, that and the other. And then I came out and did brought the house down with this two-minute piece. And she said the casting directors were just getting the books like and get the pens out and marking and that was it so then the next day I was in the royal family did you realize that that night was so significant at the time I think I did because when I came because the audience reaction was so massive and then I came off stage and we went to this blessed melody she just spent all you know got this credit card and there's a big buffet going on and champagne because she went casting directors will always turn up to a drink you know and she was right they did <laughs> she's right she's right and um so it was all fabulous in this you know and i must have it about these sort of imaginary people that you can't you don't think exist and all these casting directors about five of them came over to me and said oh well, i've got this idea for you can i see you for this and what what do you want to do and it was like it was mad so that don't get me wrong it didn't just happen like that no. but that was the night the next day i was in the royal family because they wanted an unknown you see and june west was a, was the casting director who was amazing june and she put me in coronation street as well and june west said i think i've got i think i've got michelle for you so i didn't i wasn't even seen by cassie and caroline i just turned up wow they just, they just went oh, all right then well we trust you and i just turned up because our careers are like dominoes, right? You need to flick the first one for the rest to all fall into place absolutely. and start tipping. That was the first tip of your domino, yeah? Uh, absolutely. No, without a shadow of a doubt. And Melody and June West made that happen uh, with, without a shadow of a doubt. So I'd have to, have to thank both of those people. And then we've also acknowledged across the, the course of this chat, Stuart Murphy being yeah. so significant and most recently Ben Frow at Channel yeah, yeah, 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But who else were the, the change makers for you? Well, I think Caroline as well, Caroline Roberts-Cherry, who's my other half, because she was really insistent that I be part of this company. And she was really insistent and in giving me the confidence of doing it, really. And and then I would never have done it without her. I would so you would be have... waiting for, for roles to, to become yeah. apparent that you could then test for, and you might get them, you might not. Now, there's a different energy around your career. You're oh, totally. doing it. 
Well, yeah. I, I mean, I think I've always, I would have always written and pitched. I think that's something I do anyway. But I would always, yeah, but that as well. So I think Caroline, I've got, thinking about it, I've got to thank her because she, she just kept, she kept on at me really. <laughs> and also, well, that's brilliant, right? But also, I mean, some of the women that you've written alongside, always co-stars. You're a brilliant collaborator. Yeah. Saran was the first. Yes, yeah, Saran. I, I thank, and do you know what's brilliant about him? I mean, Saran is your best mate. Is that we like we we call it moaning about the best job in the world, you know? Because you sometimes you have some bad days on set, and sometimes you have some great days on set. And honest to God, if the papers could get a hold of what we took, <laughs> it would be like you know gold dust. But not that we we just we just and we talk about family and and we've we've done things together so much, you know, from being Karen and Shelley in Coronation Street and just doing stuff. You know, I had my kids first and she had her kids and she met Lawrence at my wedding and I don't know if you know that. She met her husband at my I wedding. I didn't know that. Also, I think another person work-wise, Tony Wood, who was, uh, he was the executive on Coronation Street at the time. Mm. And he, uh, the last two years, and he was the one that really, really, you know, pushed me to do the Charlie Shelley storyline. And he really, you know, put me right centre middle so that year when we were winning all the awards you know I was accepting the BAFTA I was accepting all sorts of stuff because he put me front and centre so that was an amazing thing um I suppose it's like you say it's I mean I'd have to go over I don't want to really miss anyone else. I know it's really hard isn't it people it's really that, hard. that have put you like my agent now is fabulous she's an unbelievably strong woman and it was a hard act to follow Melody and she's done it brilliantly Jeanette and she's always on my side and she's always you know, I mean, I, I'm I'm a different person than most of her clients because I have charity work, I do documentaries, I do, like you said, you know, she got the call from Tenable going, do you fancy doing this? And I was like, what? <laughs> All right. You know, yeah. but <laughs> what's you, the worst you, can you, happen? <laughs> you, were, you were the caretaker of Tenable, which is a daytime quiz show, uh, stepping in for Warwick Davis, who was off doing a movie, I think, wasn't he? And yeah. You, and it, it, is we, that we, right? Yeah, we filmed it half an hour because he, he'd scheduled just gone mental. Um, he was doing Willow, so he just couldn't do it all. But they, but they yeah. had the commission, and and so they just said, "Do you fancy doing it?" Because I'd done a few pilots for game shows before, and they they'd worked really well. But the game shows were too complicated, so I think they knew I could do it. But I didn't know I could do it. I mean, it was an established show; it was mad. But I loved it. I loved it. I do it I again tomorrow. I loved it. I love yeah. a game show. Yeah. And also, you know, how brilliant that you do all of these things and you don't apologise for it because we are conditioned to oh. apologise for travelling outside of our lane here. We're in the allowed. States, everyone does it. Everyone does it. You can Kate, write a book, you can host a show, you can be an actor. Kate, I swear to God, that is exactly what I think. And I, yeah. I look over to those girls over in in America and I just think, well, why can't I? You yeah. know, you've got someone like, who I love, I love Bradley Walsh. You've got someone like Bradley Walsh who does everything and everyone goes, oh, it's amazing. If you do it, they're like, oh, a bit. Well, aren't you an actor though? Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm really Come on, good make one. your mind up. Which one are you? I'm a yeah. really good one, but I can do that as well. Oh, I don't know. It's changing. I, I think it's changing because more of us are doing it, but not, not quick enough for my liking, really. Yeah. But then you've got the other side of the coin is that, you know, a lot of, of a lot of actors that women actors that have gone over there, personalities have gone. You've got to, you've got to lose half your body weight. So yeah. there's that other side of the coin. Whereas England, English people, which is thank God, like to see normal people on the telly. They don't think it's weird. Whereas in America, it's 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 quite odd. I remember when I was uh, when I first went because I've always been sort of size fourteen. I, I suppose behind the bar I was like twelve, fourteen. Now I'm fourteen, sixteen. Always been. And my family, our mum, grand, whatever. And I can imagine I could lose, a, you know, it. But I've never been asked, to be honest. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, and no one's ever really asked me. But when um, we got... Remember when I was first behind that bar, Kate? And there was a, a journalist. I probably shouldn't say who it was. I don't know if he works anymore. And he did wrote an article in a well-known newspaper saying, how can they put this fat, ugly, ugly woman behind in such a glamorous role? So I was 26, very vulnerable, didn't know anything about the industry at all. I'd done one big job. I'd done little jobs, but I'd done one, the Royal Family before. And that's what he said. And it was, it was two pages of this. And I remember reading it. And it was, it was my brother. I was living with my brothers. I'm very close to my brother. And I was, I was reading it. And I, 
because you I read everything then obviously now you don't give a monkey's dear but then I read it and I was like what I couldn't get my head around it I'd never even thought about my weight before then I mean that makes me really angry for a start nothing like that would ever be published in a newspaper today but it can live online I mean you can see what the bloody well, there was a like. few there was a few mirrored images there was a few that I did a when I did a big um campaign and I was sat they put me in a leopard skin really low cut top and leather jeans and I was sat on the barrel I mean it was dead naive at the time I didn't even know they were taking pictures of me knockers I was so naive honestly I can't even tell you um and there was there was a lot of there was a lot of chat like that around the time but what my brother and, and he was he didn't know in his own little way he had no idea and my mom, brother's a really successful businessman he's he's a great guy and um but we were living together we'd always lived together and um before we, we met our partners and i went back to our house and i said have you seen this to chris and he just went well he's a dickhead isn't he and i said yeah and he went sal you're the land, you're the barmaid of the Rovers. They could have had anyone, and I thought, yeah, that's it. That's they the right lens anyone. to put on that bullshit. Right? And they didn't. And he just, I, just, I literally not didn't think about it after that. And I haven't to this day. Good. I haven't to this day. I don't really talk about this a lot because I, I, I feel like, you know, every female. I talk to you obviously because you're amazing and you've been through so much with this, and it, it's really relevant on your podcast. So you and it's an honest way of talking about it. But I don't actually a lot with, especially with female journalists, because I just think you're asking this to perpetuate this myth. Yeah. And they'll pick this headline out and say, "Oh, I'm really happy in size 14. Why shouldn't I be? <laughs> you know, it's my but husband. Also, but also, they won't say they wouldn't run that if you were a size eight or ten. No, I know. It's like it's some weird thing. It drives me honestly. It drives me insane. We have to talk about not talking about it. Isn't that, isn't that just the biggest oxymoron ever? But we have to, it's important to put this out there. And I agree, it it's about context and, and, and you're in a place where hopefully this is an intelligent conversation and we're wrapping Absolutely. that intelligence around it. I just hope it doesn't get, you know, what would, what would leave me gutted, Sal, is if when this episode goes out, I see in some bloody woman's magazine that's completely anti-women, Sally yeah. Lindsay, I'm so happy at a 14 to 16. Like, that will just <laughs> piss me off. Because but what they, I want to see is Sally Lindsay is the Reese Witherspoon of the frickin' North and more yeah. women like her need to be walking through this industry. That's the headline I'm taking away from this conversation. Oh, that's so kind. It's so kind. It does drive you mad, though. It's just like, Steve, how many years has he been on, like, covering Enemy, drummer magazines, old music, man, you know all that. Yeah. And he's never once been asked about the size of his trousers. <laughs> Or <laughs> his childcare. So you know what? I could talk to you forever and a day. And oh. and thanks for letting me um bang your drum a bit today because oh, I know, no I know that it it makes you almost have a rash. But people need to know how brilliant you are and the great work that you're creating, not just for you but for other people as well. Predominantly other women. And um I bloody love you for that. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. And thank you. Um, congratulations on all of your successes as well. Oh, well, right back at your sister. Posh Sleepovers is on Channel 5. Uh, the Madame Blanc Mysteries are were on Channel 5. You can get them on Catch Up. They're also airing on Acorn TV. And, um, yeah, in every pocket of the world because it's been sold around the world because my friend Sally wrote a show, appeared in it, sang the theme tune, wrote the ship. She didn't actually. <laughs> she got her husband to do that. Yeah. And she's absolutely smashing it because if she didn't nobody else was going to put it on a plate for her well done thank you my love thank you it's very kind that's it for this week's white wine question time how lovely was that what a great woman she is thank you very much to my guest sally Lindsay. as always the show is produced by me kate thornton with ben robbins for yahoo uk and the yahoo studios team andy bell provides our beats don't forget he's got a brand new album right now out waiting for your listening pleasure and we'll be back next friday with more great chat until then have a great weekend and take care out there
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.